Well, it's wonderful to be with you all again. Um, I've, I've been here several times pre-pandemic, during pandemic. It's not post-pandemic, but you know, we're in a different place now. Um, but it is really wonderful to be with you all. I bring you greetings from um, Ann Arbor and uh, from Lord of Light Lutheran Church and the Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Michigan. Um, and uh, we worship actually in the evenings. So that's why I can be with you in the morning, which is really nice. So my brother and sister-in-law have a little cabin on a lake outside of Kalamazoo. And all the cousins, including our own kids, have figured out that bluegills are incredibly easy to catch just from the dock with a bucket and some bread. Even our three-year-old niece can do it. So my brother sets up a kiddie pool by the dock and the kids catch dozens of fish transferring them from the lake to the pool and then dumping them back out into the lake unless they jump out on their own, which also happens sometimes. But it is hours of fun. It is the work of childhood and it is serious business. Now, I will fully admit that growing up in the suburbs of Detroit, I am not sure how hard it is to catch actual fish for actual food because that was not a part of my upbringing. The last time I went fishing, I was about 10. We were deeply unserious about bait, and I barely knew how to cast a line, and we were fishing from a dock. I don't think I've ever in my life approached fishing with the intensity of a three-year-old looking to fill a kiddie pool with 30 fish. But fishing, of course, wasn't just a good time for Simon, Andrew, James, and John. It was a way of life. Theologian Jillian Engelhart argues that they probably weren't just fishing for themselves or for their own communities either. They had likely been contracted by Rome to provide fish, you know, really good food for a growing empire. Without experienced fishermen to pull this nourishment from the sea, there could be no empire. So these people were working within the system to do what they could to provide a life for themselves. But neither their lives nor their work were really their own. In this passage of Matthew's gospel, the author makes a reference to Isaiah. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. To us, in 2023, those words are perhaps pretty enough poetic enough, reminiscent of Christmas. We did just hear them a few weeks ago. But these place names are foreign and don't really mean anything without context. What we need to know thousands of years later is that Zebulun and Naphtali were close to the northern border. They were always vulnerable. They were the first line of the defense. They were the first places to be conquered. And they had once been occupied by another empire, the Assyrian Empire, About 600 years before Jesus was born, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, had conquered the Israelites, enslaving some, exiling others, and it was a really, really terrible time. For a hundred years, the Israelites had lived in this liminal, oppressed, and conquered state. And some of our most apocalyptic books of the Bible, like Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, were written during this period. The book of Isaiah, which was written over the course of about 200 years and is is divided into three sections, the, the before, the during, and the after, 
it tells us of this difficult time. This quote from Isaiah is from Isaiah 9, right at the beginning of Isaiah, first Isaiah, which is before the conquer, uh, conquering of Zebulun and Naphtali and, and all of um, the Israelites. And it's both a warning of what is to come and a po- promise of God's steadfast love in the midst of trauma. This context gives us Matthew's allegory for who Jesus is. The one who will save the people from this oppressive empire. The one who will reorient the people toward God. The one who will help us turn our lives into lives that serve God and not empire. Repent, Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I think in this translation it was change your ways or change your life or something like that. But the word in the, in the translation I used is repent. Repentance is a reorientation toward God. As loaded as the word might be in our context, that is what Jesus means. It's turning again to God. The kingdom of heaven is God's justice here on earth. And Jesus is asking us to turn ourselves again to thinking about that and, and centering our lives around that. Now, if you want to win, you have to be prepared to lose. This is something that uh, we've been working on with our own kids Something that we learned quite a bit uh, at last week's Michigan-Ohio State game. Uh, the first one. If uh, Those of you who know uh, and saw the hockey game, um, it was a whole thing. Um, and then the next night, Ohio, Ohio State lost. So you win some, you lose some, quite literally. But if Andrew, J- Simon, James, and John had been perfectly happy using the greatest resources available to them, their lives and their time and their energy— to serve only the needs of the Roman Empire, they would have stayed put. If they had been happy figuring out a way to eke out a living within the system set forth by Rome, they would have kept fishing. But Jesus offered them another way to let their lives impact the world, by serving God and by serving people. And in dropping their nets and following Jesus— to proclaim the good news, and to heal the sick and suffering, they were taking the risk that they might lose their livelihoods and perhaps even their lives to gain life in Christ, to embody God's kingdom here on earth and in their own time and place. Pastor Carlos Rodriguez says, when we're not hungry for justice, it's usually because we are too full with privilege. These disciples knew there was another way, And they were willing to give up what they knew, what they were comfortable enough getting along with, to find out how God was calling them and speaking to them in their moment in time. They were willing to turn their lives upside down, to completely reorient themselves, to repent, to engage in the world in a different way, to use their lives to serve God. Later in this gospel, Jesus will tell those who are listening, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Filled with fish? Perhaps. Filled with love and compassion and justice? Yes. God's kingdom has come near to us, and it comes near every time we turn to be closer to God. This life lived alongside of Jesus is certainly not as easy as catching bluegills in a bucket, but it promises to be far more rewarding. Amen. Please join me in singing the hymn of the day.